and from listeners like you. Welcome to the Local Edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania this election season. I'm Jason Dole. Tonight we have interviews with Mark Molinaro and Josh Riley, candidates running for Congress in New York's 19th District. As the district was just redrawn, neither candidate is an incumbent. And we're going to start with Josh Riley, running on the Democratic and Working Families Party lines. I spoke to Riley last month, started off by asking him to introduce himself. Thank you. My name is Josh Riley. I was uh, born and raised in Endicott, New York, which is just outside of Binghamton. And I have a pretty typical upstate New York background. My folks came here generations ago to work in the local factories. We had a, a shoe factory in town where my folks worked for a long time. And then the IBM plants uh, where my, my family worked. My dad was a maintenance worker in the waste treatment plant. And as I was growing up, we saw a lot of those jobs go away as the plants closed down. Um, I often tell the, the story of uh, delivering the newspapers in the mornings. Uh, my dad signed me up for a newspaper route as, as soon as I was eligible to have one. And I used to uh, read the paper as I was delivering it in the mornings. And, and you very often have um, headlines uh, talking about the layoffs around town and the job losses and the plants closing down and the, the economic challenges that that presented in my community. And then on the, on the exact same page, you would have headlines about Wall Street uh, capital gains and soaring profits as they were shipping our jobs overseas where the labor was cheap and the environment was exploited. And so I learned pretty young that, that our political system and our economic system are rigged against working folks here in upstate New York. And that's guided a lot of my career. I've been really blessed to have a career that has uh, taken me all over the country. I did civil rights work for kids from low-income families who are having trouble getting health care services in the South. I worked for a federal appeals judge uh, on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in California. And I spent some time as counsel in the United States Senate where I was able to bring Democrats and Republicans together to uh, get legislation passed to fight the opioid epidemic. So uh, that's my background. It's, it's um, rooted very much in my upbringing here. And I'm really uh, excited about our campaign because I'm, I'm running for Congress to represent the, the community that raised me. You're running against Mark Molinaro, who's a county executive for Dutchess County uh, in New York. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering how you compare uh, your experience uh, to his experience. Sounds like you've been in a lot of different places, done different things. Uh, uh, he's somebody who's like managed a county in the region. Uh, how, how do you compare? Um, sure. Well, we, we do have very, very different uh, professional experiences. Um, my uh, background combines both uh, private sector experience and public service. Uh, my opponent has uh, never held a job that wasn't a taxpayer-funded government job. He's a, he's a professional politician. Um, I'm a first-time candidate, um, and I'm running because I think we need new voices and new leadership and a new direction here in upstate New York. Uh, for too long, our folks around upstate New York have been sold out by corruption in our politics and greed in our economy, and I think it's time for a change. Uh, and that's what I'm bringing to the table. We just had this election, special election for New York's 19th. There was redistricting. People just voted for this district. Uh, and they might be looking around saying, why do why do we have to vote again? Why should I even pay attention to this? <laughs> so voters of any party, why should they pay attention now when they may have just voted? Yeah, great. Well, well look, first, let me just say, uh, every time I've had an opportunity to talk to a reporter or a journalist, 
uh, over the last several months on the campaign trail. I just want to say uh, thank you for everything you all are doing because it is such a complicated and confusing election cycle um, for exactly the reasons you described. And so I think uh, having our uh, journalists and reporters out there making sure the public understands uh, the changes to the districts, the changes to the election dates, the changes to the candidates, it's a, it's a real public service. So this is really, really important because the election that's coming up in November will determine who is representing this region for the next two years. Uh, the election that was just held was a special election just to fill the last couple of months of Antonio Delgado's term. Uh, that was very important. Uh, but what we have coming up in November, I would say, is even more important because it's for a full two-year term in a new district. The new district stretches from Tompkins County, which is where Ithaca is, uh, where I live, uh, to Broome County, which is uh, where Binghamton is, where I was born and raised, uh, to Columbia and Green and part of Ulster County, uh, Sullivan County as well. So it's a brand new district. It's a brand new two-year term. And uh, what is at stake here in November is who is going to represent that district for the next two years. And the stakes are really high. And the contrast between my opponent and me are very stark. Um, I am pro-choice uh, as a matter of principle. My opponent is not. Um, I think women's reproductive freedom is a critical issue that's on the ballot uh, here this year. Um, I think protecting and, and strengthening our democracy is critically important. It's a big part of the reason I'm running. And maybe uh, as much as anything else, uh, a lot of working folks across upstate New York are really struggling right now. And uh, a primary focus of my campaign from the very beginning has to create new jobs and economic opportunities across this region to, to lift people into the middle class. So the stakes are really high, and um, I hope uh, folks will turn out and vote in November. You you brought up the, the issue of reproductive rights, and uh, one of the lines that we've heard a lot from Republicans is that, well, this should be up to the states. But now uh, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is, is calling for a federal level ban on abortion. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, so I, I, I'm so glad you asked this question, because this is how Republicans, including my opponent, have tried to dodge this issue is they've said, oh, well, this is what the Supreme Court's decision was in Dobbs is that this should be left up to the state. That's not what the decision was in Dobbs. I, I've, I've read every page of that decision, and that is categorically not what the court said in Dobbs. Uh, what the court said was that, that they would no longer recognize a constitutional 14th Amendment privacy right uh, to abortion in the Constitution. What that means is exactly what we have seen out of national Republicans in the last couple of days. It means that Congress, with the swipe of a pen, can make abortion illegal across this entire country. And it's not just Lindsey Graham, it's Mike Pence just yesterday said that we should have a national abortion ban. So anytime a Republican is telling you, well, this is a state's issue now, that is not right. That is a way to try to um, avoid talking about uh, the issue. And by the way, even if it was right, uh, that it's purely a state's issue, that is terrifying because what we have seen out of states like South Carolina and Indiana and elsewhere are draconian rules that are making abortion illegal across the board with no exceptions. So uh, it's a really good question, and it, it, it goes to the heart of this issue. I want to be really, really clear about my position on this. I know my opponent ties himself in knots trying to avoid talking about it. For me, this is straightforward. Abortion is health care. And women's health care decisions are women's health care decisions, nobody else's. 
They are not the government's decisions. They're not politicians' decisions. They sure as heck aren't Mark Molinero's decisions. Those decisions are intimate, private, difficult decisions, and they belong to women and their doctors and nobody else. In Sullivan County, we often rank second to last in uh, national health rankings. What can be done about this? Health care services for rural communities. We're talking about local hospitals cutting services or closing uh, certain places. Are you on on top of this issue and and what's your take? Yeah, so let me tell you, not only am I on top of it, uh, on September 10th, uh, I published a a detailed policy platform in um, the Sullivan Democrat. You can see it there. I think the title of it is um, Congress Must Act to Improve Access to Healthcare in Rural Areas, and would uh, encourage your listeners to take take a look at that for more details. But let me give you sort of the highlights. My perspective with this is a combination of uh, all of the conversations I'm having across this district where folks in rural communities repeatedly raise this as an issue, and also um, my own professional experience. The first case I took out of law school was representing uh, kids from low-income families who were having trouble getting health care services. And a lot of those families were folks with, you know, mom and dad were working one, two, three minimum wage jobs trying to make ends meet. And they had these impossible choices of driving three, four hours to go get the health care services they needed for their kids or having their day's wages. And of course, you know, I'm a dad, you'll do anything uh, for your kid. Uh, but no parent should have to be in that situation where they have to take an entire day off to go halfway across the state to get care. Um, so I get it. And here's a couple of things I want to do and prioritize in Congress to address it. Um, number one, we have huge uh, shortages of providers, including nurses. And so I support things like uh, the Nurse Act, which would make sure we have more nurses in schools. Uh, where it's uh, most accessible and convenient for kids to get that care. Um, I also think there's some amazing opportunities right now that we've learned about through uh, the COVID pandemic around uh, telemedicine. Uh, The science is very clear that telemedicine actually is a great way to treat chronic conditions. The problem, of course, in rural areas is that if you don't have reliable broadband access, you can't take advantage of all of those advances. And so I see the advent of telemedicine and the build out of broadband infrastructure as a tandem priority to improve access to healthcare services. And finally, when we're talking about healthcare in rural areas, we can't have that conversation without talking about mental health. We are going through a mental health crisis in this country. I have had so many folks from trade union members to farmers to social workers tell me the mental health crisis in our community is at a breaking point. And so when we're talking about improving uh, access to health care in rural areas and, frankly, across this district, we need to address the mental health challenges as well. Okay. And uh, lastly, criminal justice uh, reform. I'm wondering what your views are on bail reform and to what extent uh, you can you can weigh in on the issue if you are elected to Congress. Sure, sure, of course. Well, I'll tell you, I come from a law enforcement family. Uh, my mom is a probation officer in Tioga County. My uh, cousin works in the Broome County Jail. So um, I have nothing but a huge amount of uh, respect for folks who put their lives on the line uh, to protect our community. And we've got to do everything we can uh, to support uh, law enforcement throughout uh, throughout this community. I think with bail reform, what, we're, what we've found is it's become a bit of a political wedge issue. Um, and I don't know that it, I, I think most folks across upstate New York agree on some basic principles, including people who are innocent uh, of crimes uh, should not be 
locked up and held indefinitely behind bars. And at the same time, people who have committed crimes and who pose a risk to the community, uh, they should be uh, detained uh, and subject to supervision by judges. And so we need to find a way to strike that balance appropriately so that we are honoring both the due process rights that are enshrined in our constitution and also doing everything we can to protect our communities. Um, I actually find talking to folks across this district, there's a, a heck of a lot more common ground on that than what there might be when politicians sometimes uh, try to use all of this as a wedge issue. But I think what one thing that we're losing sight of in this whole conversation, which is actually one of the most important things, is that um, we have so badly underfunded our mental health system in this country for so long that so many people who end up in crisis end up encountering the criminal justice system and law enforcement. Uh, many folks who have unmet mental health needs, the first call they have in a crisis is to 911. And I think that's terrible for people who are going through crisis and really just need treatment instead of handcuffs. I think it puts our law enforcement in a very unfortunate situation where they've become first responders for mental health uh, crises. It's also really bad for the taxpayers because if we're putting somebody who needs who needs uh, help with uh, addiction or mental health issues and, and using our jails as a de facto substitute for mental health system, the recidivism rates end up being very high and costly. And so one of the things I've worked on uh, during my time as counsel in the Senate was making sure communities have funding to open treatment centers uh, for folks. We saw an, a really great opioid uh, treatment center open in Broome County some years ago. Um, I know in, in, in Dutchess County, which is not in our district, uh, but it's where my opponent is, uh, some of the federal funding that I was able to help uh, secure uh, around addiction issues, he was able to use that in his county. So this is a re when I think about criminal justice issues, this is something I really I think we need to be focused on. Josh Riley, uh, best of luck in November. Hey, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. If anybody wants to learn more about our campaign, they can do that at joshreillyforcongress.com. Thank you so much. That was Josh Riley interviewed on September 16th. We will be right back with our interview with Mark Molinaro, who is also running for Congress in New York's 19th District. You are listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. The January 6th committee is making what could be their final arguments in their case against former President Donald Trump. The former president lied to his supporters, made them believe that the vice president had the authority to overturn the election. Join us for live coverage and analysis of their next and possibly last hearing Thursday from NPR News. Your NPR station, Radio Catskill, keeping you connected. Welcome back. Mark Molinaro is the executive of Dutchess County. He's running for Congress in New York's 19th District on the Republican and Conservative Party lines. Radio Catskill's Tim Bruno spoke to him on September 21st. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. So we just had an election for New York's 19th. We've been trying to make sure folks know about the redistricting and that the races for the new 19th. Why do you think people should pay attention to this race and vote, especially during this kind of confusing path this particular election year? It, it has been confusing. I don't blame voters for not necessarily following along. And uh, uh, But uh, on, on November 8th, 
Uh, the entire House of Representatives is up. Uh, the, uh, the, the voters across America, voters across upstate New York, voters in the new 19th district have their opportunity to have their voice heard. It is a critical election, uh, single party control of both houses of Congress, the White House uh, and all of New York state government has, quite frankly, led. Uh, to a lack of accountability, uh, that uh, the fact that there isn't a fair exchange of ideas means that we're not uh, challenging government to do better for the people uh, that live here. And for those of us who live in upstate New York in the new 19th congressional district, you know, we know what it feels like to shoulder a high burden of taxes compounded by highest rate of inflation. It just feels like everything is stacked against us. This is our opportunity to choose who in an open seat, there's no incumbent in this new district, who will best represent our interests, who will go to fight for us, and who will uh, try to make government function for the people uh, who are working uh, too hard and seemingly getting too little in return. How do you get folks to pay attention? Well, listen, I, I, first of all, uh, midterm elections are, um, are, are always uh, uh, energized as it is, right? The midterm election uh, during a presidential term is always uh, really a check on, on the president. I, I do believe voters across this district are interested. They are paying attention. And most notably, they're paying their bills and trying to stay afloat. They know that groceries, gas, home heating costs all uh, have uh, increased, some still on the rise. Uh, I will tell you without question, uh, uh, inflation is going to continue to bear down on us unless we start to rein in uh, spending, strengthen our supply line, try to drive down taxation. I believe that voters across upstate New York uh, in the 19th district, uh, they're paying attention uh, because they've got no choice and uh, and frankly are struggling and working too hard to keep their small business open, to get their kids back and forth to school or to soccer practice, to keep the farm afloat. They They know what's at stake and they know what's on the ballot. And that is uh, whether or not this federal government is going to rein in spending, rein in taxation and start working for people again, uh, instead of holding us hostage to uh, uh, policies that are making us less safe in our communities uh, and more expensive across the board. You know, bail reform has been a hot topic in our area. What are your views on, on bail reform? And again, how can you make it happen? Bail reform in New York is responsible for the loss of life across the state. Bail reform is responsible uh, for a rise in crime across the state. The system, our criminal justice system, uh, there shouldn't be two forms of justice in this in this state, uh, one for those who are rich and one uh, for those who are poor. As as an example, uh, right, if you're Harvey Weinstein, you can pay your way, eventually perhaps get uh, get caught and, and brought to justice, but uh, along the way, uh, harassing and and potentially and and abusing women, um, you're, you're able to pay your way back onto the streets. If you don't have access to lawyers, you don't have access to to representation. It's a different form of of, of justice. That's not acceptable in America. It shouldn't be acceptable in New York. But cashless bail throws the entire system out, and it empowers the criminal. Uh, and the individual who's alleged to have committed a crime without protecting victims, without protecting witnesses, and and threatening and undermining public safety. I've addressed this as a county executive. We've invested in intervention and prevention services to try to keep crimes from from being committed, intervene with those uh, who may have committed a lower-level offense before they commit a higher-level offense. But also, uh, I've, I've funded law enforcement to, to invest in community policing to make sure that our communities are safe. Prior to Cassius Bail in Dutchess County, we were able to cut violent crime by 50 percent. At the same time, made a substantial investment uh, in protecting victims of domestic violence and sexual assault, protecting victims of child abuse and child neglect, uh, and uh, providing protection for witnesses and ensuring that the law 
was being enforced. We were able to do this by also assisting those uh, who might struggle with substance use or mental health and get them the services they need, ultimately keeping them out of the criminal justice system, uh, uh, driving down incidents of crime uh, and helping people get back on their feet. The system uh, uh, that was established by the state government, cashless bail here in New York, undermines law enforcement. And what's important to know is there's there's two ways that 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 we need to address this. Uh, first, uh, I will. Uh, the, the Democrats in the House of Representatives want to nationalize cashless bail. It is embedded in legislation that, if given uh, complete control again, they will push forward with, uh, and in fact, continue to in legislation. They can't happen. Additionally, states like New York shouldn't be able to take advantage of, and in essence, undermine public safety, take advantage of those in law enforcement and threaten the safety of others, uh, and continue to get federal aid to do it. And so the, the Congress can press, uh, press Albany to repeal cashless bail. As an individual House member, I will fight for the families that are struggling, the law enforcement and, and police officers that are doing their job every day, and the victims who are re-victimized by a system uh, that just is making us less safe. Access to health care services in rural communities is a uh, topic of interest, especially here in Sullivan County, where we are based. We were second to last in the health rankings again. It's been going on for several years. One factor that makes us low on that list is access to health care, not only in the distance, but the hardship of finding services. What can you do to help increase the access to health care services in, in rural communities? A few things. I mean, Sullivan in particular uh, faces um, what what many rural, more and uh, even more rural communities face across America, and that's this healthcare desert. First, you know, Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement rates have to keep pace with inflation, and we have to be able to uh, to support health coverage or healthcare access in more rural communities by ensuring that Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, are reimbursing and paying at the levels that are necessary to provide the service. Additionally, we have to expand access to mental health services, a broad response, both requiring health insurance providers uh, to cover long-term mental health services, the state of New York and federal government putting its dollars on the street to provide uh, community-based mental health services, and then anyone who lives in this district, anyone in America, shouldn't live uh, 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 further than an hour and a half to two hours away from a mental health uh, uh, stabilization center. There needs to be direct community-based walk-in services uh, where you can, uh, you can provide mental health support. And why do I mention mental health? That we, we, have, uh, we have not treated those with mental illness with the respect and support they need. It is a lagging, if you will, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, health care service uh, in this country. And by marrying uh, mental health with physical health and making sure uh, both private insurance providers and the government are subsidizing to the level appropriate mental health services, you add more resources to provide total body health. And so you can grow access simply by uh, ensuring that mental health is a part of the mix and that mental wellness is being supported by both private insurers and public, uh, public systems. That will provide greater access. Uh, investing in treatment when it comes to substance use and drug addiction is critically important as well. And, and by doing all of that, you can create broader access uh, to total body health, total body care, mental, physical uh, health care in places like Sullivan and throughout upstate New York. And, and I'll say this, I, I've lived it and I've done it in my home county. Uh, we've expanded um, uh, family leave to, to, to employees to ensure they have 
uh, the support of their employer uh, to get out to health care uh, support. We've invested county resources uh, to expand both physical and mental health services. And Dutchess County has the stabilization center, the model that counties across New York uh, and across America are using uh, to build out what should be the most comprehensive uh, mental health, community-based mental health services uh, in uh, in the country. And because of that, we're able to expand access uh, to all uh, areas of both, phys- uh, both physical body and, and mental health services. I want to ask you about abortion. In June, the Supreme Court overturned the 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade, ending decades of constitutional protections for abortions. Uh, abortion has been legal under New York state law since 1970, three years before Roe. Now Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is calling for a national ban on abortion. Where do you stand on this issue? I've, I've said this, and, and by the way, my, my opponent is, is uh, truly lying about my position. I do not support a national ban. I believe that the decision of the Supreme Court, agree with it or not, does now provide uh, the states the responsibility. Now, I will tell, I'll say this. I don't, I don't support the extremes. I don't uh, support a national ban, and I don't support late-term abortion. And I do think that most Americans and most New Yorkers in this district, one, want the access preserved, which I, uh, I, which would remain. I would not support a national ban. And they believe that late-term abortion should be limited. And unlike uh, my opponent, who does support uh, abortion right up until the moment of delivery, I do think that we can find common ground by dealing with this in a, in a compassionate way. We ought to show support to women by making sure there's access to services, both, uh, as I said, physical and mental health care, neo and prenatal care. There needs to be support for adoption and intervention services to support those who bring uh, lives into this world with disabilities or other, other significant challenges, and that most Americans fall uh, where I am, which is uh, we, we accept that, the, they're, they're, that access must remain. We'd like to limit late-term abortion to only the life uh, of the mother, uh, and then talk about ways to bolster the system to support women, to show our love for, for women who have to make a, 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 a truly heartbreaking and challenging choice, which will remain law in the state of New York. You had a chance to uh, test in your campaign a little bit during the primary. What did you learn during the primary? <laughs> well, I learned a lot of things. Uh, one, uh, uh, don't run for office in the middle of August. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's, here's the reality. Uh, special elections are special. Uh, there are unique circumstances, uh, certainly lessons learned, uh, but most notably uh, to continue working hard to earn the vote uh, of the voters across this new district. Uh, we, I have always been focused on November of 2022. Uh, the lines have changed multiple times. The, uh, the, my opponent has changed several times. Uh, but at the end, my goal is to represent the people of this district for the next two years in the House of Representatives and to be an independent voice for them, somebody who can marshal Republicans and Democrats, as I've done as a county executive, to confront the challenges that face us. My, my opinion is not what's most important. It's the, it's the collective view, vis, vision, and wisdom of the people of this district. How do we rein in spending? How do we rein in inflation? How do we provide for public safety? How do we create opportunities for our kids to get the education they deserve and the jobs they need? I'm going to be uh, an independent representative focused on, on, on the issues that face uh, the people of this district fighting uh, on their behalf. And so um, uh, it's uh, full steam ahead to November the 8th. It's such a sprawling district now. How do you how do you it. how do you balance all the different views within that district, and and, and why should voters vote for you th- throughout this entire New York nineteen new nineteen? I every day of my life of my life has been focused on trying to get people to work together to solve problems. I I love 
the diversity and geography space and, and background in, in, of this district. Uh, and, and I've had experience bringing people together who do see the world differently from, by the way, preserving our natural resources, fighting to clean up the Hudson River, protecting uh, farmland and agriculture, to growing an economy, turning uh, an old IBM, uh, vacated IBM facility into a very diverse uh, uh, business park in, in, in my home county. Um, it takes, we, we have to cut through the toxic politics, get people working together. I had, I have experience, I've experienced doing that. I have never left upstate New York. I've committed myself to public service. And what I tell people is this, when I was elected uh, mayor of the village of Tivoli all those years ago as a teenager, uh, you don't run with party affiliation. When the roof leaks, it leaks on Republicans and Democrats. And the job of government is to fix the roof. The roof is leaking in America. The roof is leaking in America. There's a lot of challenges, and a lot of pressure on a lot of people, and it hurts Republicans and Democrats. And we need government to get out of the way uh, when necessary to, to allow for job growth and economic uh, strength and prosperity. We need government to assist those who are struggling with mental health, disabilities, or, or drug addiction. Uh, and, and, and we need to work together to secure a freer and more prosperous future for the people, uh, not only in this district, but across America. And I'm committed to doing that. We've been talking to Mark Molinaro. He is the Republican candidate for New York's 19th Congressional District, which includes the Radio Catskill listening area. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. That's all for the local edition tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night with more local news, and our election coverage continues with candidate interviews all month long. Be listening at this time every weekday. Go to WJFFRadio.org and sign up for the local edition podcast to make sure that you don't miss any of these interviews. I'm Jason Dole. Music Emporium is up next. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Marketplace on Main Street. Home to Woolworth Yarn, the Calicoon Pantry, Lit Home and Book, Early Bird Cookery, The Herbal Scoop, Channery Hill Farm, Vintage Maroc, and Grizzly Bagels. From Sullivan Renaissance, a community beautification initiative of the Gary Foundation, dedicated to empowering volunteers to build beautiful, active communities in Sullivan County for over 20 years. On Facebook, Instagram, and at SullivanRenaissance.org. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. Radio Catskill, your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania.